Hello, and welcome to the Music Prophet. We've had a lot of mixed genres, some people who have toured around, but we've also had musicians who are just starting. And now we are going to change things up a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a touch. <laughs> but we're, we're still going to be in that classic country realm a little bit. And we also have one in the studio now. Yes. My name is Celine Tellier, and um, I am a local country artist uh, in Sudbury here. Originally from Elliott Lake, so always been from the north. Um, and uh, I've only been performing publicly for about, I would say, seven years. About seven years. And um, in those seven years, I've managed to record an EP that was released uh, in 2014 called Last One Standing. And now uh, I am just preparing to head back into the recording studio, hopefully this winter or in the spring, with uh, some new stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just discussing this off air, but uh, it sounds, and for someone who didn't know anything about this, this uh, event, it sounds very hokey. Mm -hmm. It really does. The International Plowing Match. Uh, in Verner, Ontario, and I it's know such Verner. a small town. Where I know it's a population of sure. I know Verner very well. My in-laws live there, and um, I have family who who are from there. So I agreed uh, to play to perform with um, my friend Mark. Said, "Hey, um, honestly, at first, it just as something to do and invite our family and friends to to come and and hear us and watch us perform." And turns out that it is a big deal. It's huge. Yeah, just a bit. They're they're expecting between eighty and a hundred thousand people in what six days? It's crazy to go through Werner. Like it, it's that's insane, insane. Tell me about because it was sort of, I it was sort of spoke about with Joe about performing for other people. But I think it's interesting in this case because you're actually doing a show to finish off a gig, so to speak. Sure. So has as an artist, do you does that make a difference? Your time slot as much? Not for us. Um, we, I, when I was first starting out, uh, I did get some really good advice from another artist, um, an Ontario, a Southern Ontario artist, Marshall Dane, who had said to me, whether there's two people or 2,000 people. He says you always bring 110% because you don't know who those two people are and you don't know who they know. Mm -hmm. And outside of the marketing or the, the promoting um, aspect, those two people are there to see you. So as an artist and as just a decent person, you give them that respect that they've taken the time out of their day or their night or whatever to come and give you their attention. So I take that very seriously, and so does Mark, for sure. Yeah, because they took the energy to say, go get it, find a seat, and stick around. Absolutely. So that's what you owe them that, yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, whether we're playing at nine o'clock in the morning at a school, a grade school, or at you know 11 o'clock at night, closing off after a headliner, um, it's still, we give 110%, doesn't really matter. We're, we're there for our crowd. Can we expand on that? Because I think it'd be really interesting to tell people the variety of stages that you've 
actually played as a musician? Wow. Um. <laughs> because there's a lot. And it's something <laughs> that, I mean, anyone that, you know, like, it's it's well known within the music scene that you play a lot of weird places. Sure. But it's... <laughs> wow, that's... I. You know what? I've never been asked that. I have never been asked that. What would be one of the... Okay. Um... You know what? I, I am like drawing a blank. <laughs> I've always, again, I just, I'm so comfortable. It doesn't really matter where I'm playing. It's not that one gig is the same as the other, but, um, huh, that's a very good question. I'm trying to think of. <laughs> but I think that's, it's interesting that, but I think that also is really interesting because you fought, you treat every gig differently, but yet the same. For sure. Because we, we're probably not the only artists that do this, but we, we have set lists, right? We prepare. Uh, we rehearse hours and hours. But then we get to um, our show, and the crowd is just not the crowd that we have the set list for. Mm -hmm. So we switch it up. Like, we just, we have to be prepared. And we've, I personally have done that probably 90% of any gig that I've played. Um, because once you get on stage, in my opinion, once you get on stage, it stops being about me. Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure everybody's having fun. And that's, I think that's how it should be. Um, but to go back to the question, now I just, I have played on a pontoon boat. I have also played um, on an open deck overlooking Wanapate River, hmm. um, where the natural echo of the, of the water just was throwing me off throwing me right off but uh but those were a couple of the really really interesting places that i've played that would be interesting because the environment is so different totally and there's different. it's not a formal stage there's no chairs it's just you on a in the front yep. of a pontoon boat <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely definitely you, you have to make some special arrangements for sure um and you adjust a few things but uh but again i mean as long as everybody else is having fun I just, I make sure that everybody has fun. Is there an element to your show that you really make sure to have to ensure that they have fun? Um, again, I mean, we, we, we adjust according to um, our crowd. Like this Friday, we know Werner has a very large Francophone community. Um, even though there, there are going to be 80,000 people there, mm. Maybe not at our stage. Uh, who knows? But who knows? You never know. <laughs> but, uh, but we've definitely added a couple of francophone songs, country songs, that, um, that I think will, will entertain the crowd. So, yeah, we try, and, we try and mix it up a little bit. So between song choice and also just banter, I guess, too? Absolutely. Certain stories will change up? Absolutely. One of the best things about playing smaller venues is that interaction with the crowd that you don't get to do if you're playing a festival and you you're timed like you have to be on at this time you have to get off at this time and load off everything because you know you have to respect the next artist coming up mm -hmm. um so you sometimes you have to stick to your set list song 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 off you still have fun and you make eye contact and you know you wave to people and and it sounds very very cheesy but I mean, we do. We make sure that people know that we see them. Like, mm -hmm. we do see them, and, and we see them singing along. And sometimes we're doing a song. Like, Mark and I do uh, a classic 
countries set. And sometimes you're wondering, are, like, will they know these songs? Mm-hmm. And it almost always surprises us how many people actually know these songs. And it's great. Like, mm. it's, that just adds a little more to our performance where we're like, awesome. This is great. People are singing along. Let's have fun. And is that just because it's classic country and it's sort of faded out of the spotlight? A little bit, but on the other on the other side of it, um, it again, they're they're classics. It, I'm I'm always surprised at how many people really know these songs. Um, I grew up listening to Johnny Cash and Common mm-hmm. Cody and Loretta Lynn, like that that was just played in our house all the time. My parents are not musically inclined, <laughs> but they always had country music playing. Right. Um, so when, for instance, Johnny Cash's movie came out, Walk the Line, and friends of mine in school were saying, hey, did you hear that new song? It's not new. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to it since I was four. But, um, but it's fun that, you know, more genres or more um, demographics of mm-hmm. people are getting to hear these songs again. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. What type of audience do you normally find with... Because, I mean, classic country, you can kind of assume the crowd. But when it comes to the other music, and especially original work, mm-hmm. do you find that the crowd is still the same older audience that would love classic country? No. No. We, we've played, we just recently played a, um, a campground gig, and um, we had teenagers, like young teenagers hmm. coming up and singing along with with some of our Conway Twitty stuff. And it's like, okay, you know parenting was done right there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like even even my own kids, like my kids crank the country music out of their rooms or mm-hmm. if they're working on their bike or their car in the garage, you know, the, the classic country is playing. So it's just, I think, I honestly think there's going to be a resurgence of that class, that classic sound. The the yeah. bro country, I think, is kind of dying down a little bit. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But it's, but, I guess, it's a phase, right? It's sort of it. Bro country and in hip hop is sort of two things that, or rather, bro country might become like that hip hop, rap country sound. Sure, sure. Um, and of course, I mean, you've got the business side of that, the marketing and all that stuff. And that's why a lot of that is being played on radio. Mm-hmm. Whereas I still, I still think there's going to be, there's going to be a lot more of that, that traditional country sound that we'll be hearing on radio um, in the next couple of years. Right. Because it phases out. Sure. After sure. a while and comes back. Yeah. There's an ebb and flow to everything. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think something's, something's brewing. How has the ebb and flow been for your career? Because you've done a lot of different things. Sure. So how have you found it changing over time? Um, I've grown as an artist. Um, I've gotten pickier at who uh, I want to perform with and who and where I want to perform um, at or, or for. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an indie artist, I have that that um, freedom mm-hmm. to do that. I also have a family. Um, I'm not, you know, the the up and coming twenty year old 
I'm a more mature artist, I suppose. <laughs> People will define mature, I suppose. But um, but no, I mean, it's uh, there's definitely been a lot of times, a lot of years that uh, that things have have gone great for mm-hmm. me. Like I've had high highs opening for George Canyon. I'm like that. That's like a stupid high for me. Um, and then this summer, this past summer, I've had to cancel probably half a dozen shows because I got laryngitis and I just was not well. So that's, I can honestly say this summer was probably my worst summer uh, as an artist. So you kind of go with the flow and and you do your best and you hope that, uh, that people understand and, and you make it up to them Mm -hmm. for sure. Like, is that something that you intentionally do when you make music? Are you trying to be very energetic and high? No, actually, I don't. I don't try to to do anything. Um, the last time I went into the studio, I recorded uh, four demos, and my producer was actually kind of going, "These are the same chords, same chords, same kind of vibe." So we played around with it a little bit, but these were songs that um, that I wrote and just kind of I thought people might um, react to or feel. And I, I really don't go into writing or recording with a with a specific uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. It's just it is what it is. As an artist, I write them, and that's why I lean on the pros, the producer, to kind of give me some feedback and say, "Hey, maybe we'll switch this up a little bit." Mm-hmm. Because a producer is a person that adds that final touch that helps you shape it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because you might hear it uh, one certain way in your head, but I am far from. Um, being a musician, I'm not a musician. I'm I'm a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. That's my forte. Um, so they can kind of say producers will say, "Hey, I kind of hear a dobro here," or you know, I hear a mandolin, or you know, let's add some bass here or whatever. And that's what they're trained to do. That's what they have experience doing. And you need to have that good rapport with a producer to get a really good product. Mm-hmm. Is there? When it comes to producers, do you have do you have like a short list that you pretty much access? Um, extremely short list. <laughs> uh, again, I've I've really only been doing this uh, for about seven years. So, <clears throat> my first producer was Jason Kirkness out of Winnipeg, um, and we, I, in my humble opinion, I think we came out with a really good product. Um, and then I worked with uh, Sean Moore out of Kitchener. And again, fabulous, fabulous producer. We came out with some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, just networking with other with other artists, uh, you get to you get to learn some names and see who's out there. And it always astounds me when you have a producer like Jason Berry, who's worked with massive, massive artists, who will you know you'll send him a friend request on Facebook, and then bam, he accepts it, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> But Jason, I can honestly say, I have met like we've I've gone to the CCMAs and the CMAOs, and um, he's also Jason Blaine's guitar player. So mm-hmm. I've shared the stage with Jason Blaine, and he is genuinely like he knows you. You know, he doesn't just accept your friend request and then has no idea who you are and right. whatever. Just somebody else on my friends list. But he he is genuinely like a really nice guy, and he's invited me down to, to his studio. You know, come on down. Next time you're around, I'll show you around, and you know, we'll we'll 
see what we can do hmm. or whatever but the guy's so busy so busy but yeah he would be uh he would be a dream to work with that's huge and i think it's a cool topic too to kind of like especially for this part like to jump into the networking side of it because as musicians I mean you have to meet artists but at the same time you have to meet the right ones absolutely absolutely um i've met some great great musicians that just don't work well with me like for me mm -hmm. not there's no friction no nothing like that but after rehearsing a couple times we've all kind of said how do you guys feel about this i don't know and it's like uh you know and that's just a trial and error thing mm -hmm. so when you when you do find some musicians and again i'm not a musician so i rely on you know my ear and some word of mouth and you know the internet mm -hmm. um to kind of get out there and try and put something together and friends of friends of friends and hopefully you can you can jive with people and and have some fun and make some great music and that's actually i think it's it's that makes the pairing this this for today as well is especially good for that because both you and jopo are not fully full-time musicians. No. Which no. is really interesting because the perception of people who do music is normally that, oh, cool, this person's doing a show. They must do that all the time. Sure. <laughs> sure. No. Um, we, indie artists, we all have day jobs. We all have day jobs. Um, some of us are lucky to have jobs that are very flexible and allow us to you know, come out and 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 do gigs, leave early to to go prep and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it's uh, it's almost like a very expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. Where you're hoping to get um, you know heard or recognized or whatnot, but uh, but in the alternative, you're still having fun, and um, we do we we throw everything into our art into our hobby if you mm -hmm. will our passion um and people would be very very surprised at how little we sleep because we have our day jobs and then we take the evenings to do the stuff that that we don't get to do during the day um you know the marketing the networking mm -hmm. the, the recording the writing the rehearsals um you know all of that stuff it's it leads up to the performances so and that's why people buy tickets and why tickets cost so much and whatnot. It's true though. Because it's the time. It's, it's the time that you put in is a lot. It is. It is. Um, and I mean, I know people who put in a lot more time than I do. Like it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I just I can't fathom it. I get five to six hours a night of sleep, and I'm good. And I'm good. Like I'm, I'm very high functioning, and I'm good to go. But I also. You know, have my family. I have a house. I have dogs that I walk every day. I've got, you know, my day job, and then I have my music. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it it's a lot of work. But we all have twenty four hours, and it's it's what we prioritize, I suppose, into what we want to um, to be recognized for. Mm hmm. How do you balance the? How do you balance it? Like, do you have a calendar? Is there a do you have put on paper? What is your way to juggle everything? I would die without my calendar. I would die if I lost my telephone. Everything mm -hmm. is on my phone. Um, everything is is diarized. 
Um, I have, and I'm lucky that I have a very supportive husband who, you know, just is there. If I have rehearsal, he takes care of the house. If I'm going out of town for a gig, you know, he comes along or he stays back. It's, Mm -hmm. I'm also very lucky that my kids are a little older, that, you know, they're not, they're not babies that need 24 hour a day care. Um, They're very independent. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, it comes down to prioritizing. It's, you put forward what you want to work on. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, you just make it happen. You yeah, make because it happen. you have it's, to. You do. You do. If you commit to something, you have to make it happen. Right? Um, so tell us more, just to wrap things up, mm-hmm. since we're almost at the end of an hour, which is ridiculous. That's crazy. <laughs> um, tell us about the, the some, like some of the shows you have coming up and where we can find links and tickets and... Sure. Um, I, well, again, this Friday at uh, Inverner at the International Plow Match. Um, and surprisingly, I have a couple of uh, just some private functions in the fall. But I've kind of cleared my schedule a little bit um, to work on some writing and to prepare to head back into the studio. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a pretty, pretty quiet fall, winter until we get uh, back into the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you want to take a listen at some of my stuff, I am on Apple Music. Um, As Celine Tellier. Tellier. Yeah. yeah. And they can also, can they also, and when it comes to Facebook, Instagram, anything like that, are you also? I am all over social media. I Perfect. I am on Facebook, I am on Twitter, I am on Instagram, I am on LinkedIn, SoundCloud. Send me a request. Follow my pages. It's me. <laughs> it is me. So thank you for, to Celine for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's always fun coming uh, coming down to the studio. And we will see you next week on the Music Profit.